When you think about a mother and the lengths that they go to for their children, what would motivate them to do that? What could possibly motivate them to do that? And it's got to be love. It's got to be love. One of the most powerful forces in the world, more powerful than an atom bomb, more powerful than any government or military around the world. Love is more powerful and it is the greatest motive to have. The only thing strong enough to be able to endure those kind of things. And uh, I think what we're going to be talking about today here is uh, we've been talking about serving. And last week we talked about who we serve. It makes a difference. If we know who we're serving, we can really serve in such a way that it changes everything. Today I want to talk about why we serve. Because if we got that figured out, that can make a difference and change everything. Motive. Motive is big. What is a motive? It's why you do the things you do and who you do them for. Let me say that again. What is a motive? Why you do the things you do and who you do them for. Maybe, can we say that together? Why you do the things you do and who you do them for. Yeah. Why and who? Why you do the things you do? You know, when I was uh, 14 years old, I had just uh, given my life to Christ and decided to follow him. Uh, and I began reading the Bible for the first time. I had I'd never read it. And uh, I came across uh, uh, a writing from Matthew, the former tax collector turned follower of Jesus. And Matthew records that Jesus said this, The greatest among you will be your servant. For whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. Well, I didn't know much about the context of that verse. I didn't really know much about anything. I just knew that everyone in my school was really scrambling for greatness. They're scrambling to be important. They were doing whatever they could to be significant. And honestly, I wanted what everybody else wanted. I wanted to be important. I wanted to be significant. And, and I wanted to be great. And right here, I was reading for the first time, Jesus said, if you want to be great, serve. If you want to be great, humble yourself. And I thought, well, that's really a different approach and, you know, when I was in middle school, I tried being the class cl- cl- clown and, and being a goof-off and loudmouth, and that really got me just into more trouble, fights, and not having good relationships with my teachers. And so uh, maybe this would be a different approach. And so not knowing much, I, I began practicing this. I began practicing serving others I, at my school, my teachers, uh, and humbling myself, not being proud or cocky. And it was amazing. The way of Jesus really worked. Now, granted, I I didn't really have uh, much of a great motive going on there. I mean, it was all about me. It was all about me. But as I practiced this and I saw that Jesus' way worked, along the way, Jesus taught me a few things. Because, you know, you can't really humble yourself You can't really serve others without that changing you. Mothers, you can agree with that from your experience? Yeah. Yeah, you can't not help that 
changing you. And God began to reshape my motives. And he taught me a lot of things. Now, today I'm I'm not really volunteering what my motives are for serving, but I'm hoping that it is evident by this message what I desire my motive to be. And as for you, I don't know what your motives are. You know, and, and again, I just want to challenge you to test Jesus' way to see if it's true or not. For all of us, whether false motives are true, I want us to look at why Jesus did what he did. Why did he say, I have come to serve and not be served? I've come to give my life away as a ransom for many. Why did he do that? How could he do that? Well, I want to continue to look through the eyes of Matthew, the tax collector, who turned follower of Jesus. And when you look at his account of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, there is a repeated word in his gospel account. And I, I, I want, to, want to see if you'll catch what this word is. And I wonder if Matthew had a certain sensitivity to this trait to this motive in Jesus, because really in society as a tax collector, he was a traitor. I mean, he was considered a traitor, scumbag, sellout, cheat, who could never be looked at as a good person in society. In society, he he had this role. And I think there's a certain point with a guy like Matthew, you just kind of give up and you go, well, I might as well live up to it. If no one will ever allow me to be anything different, I might as well just throw myself into this role. But then Jesus came along and changed that and said, no, I want you. I want you for my mission. I want you to join me. I accept you. I see you as valuable. And I think there was something about that encounter with Jesus that made Matthew a little more sensitive to this motive in Jesus Because Matthew records this one motive more than any other in the Gospels. See if you catch it. Matthew records in chapter 9, verse 36. When Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. Because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Matthew then records both times that Jesus miraculously feeds a, a mass of people. Once... When Jesus was feeding over 5,000 men, Jesus saw the crowd, Matthew records, and had compassion on them, and he healed their sick. After he healed the sick, after he taught them, you know what his disciples said? His, his disciples said, Jesus, it's, it's the end of the day, we're all tired, why don't you send these guys away? Send these people away, let them take care of themselves. And Jesus said, no, no, we're going to feed them. We're going to feed them. The second time Jesus feeds a large mass of people, it's 4,000. And again, Matthew records Jesus saying, I have compassion for these people. They have already been with me three days and have had nothing to eat. I don't want to send them away hungry because they might collapse on the road. And later, when Jesus was traveling through Jericho, Matthew records that there were two blind men by the roadside, and they were raising a ruckus. They heard that Jesus was coming, and so they were, Jesus, son of David, over here, over here. And again, people low on the totem pole of society, and the people were saying, hush, you're making a ruckus. You're, you're embarrassing us. Stop it. 
But Jesus heard them and came to them. And what does the scripture say? It said that Jesus had compassion on them and touched their eyes, giving them sight. So what is behind Jesus Jesus serving, Jesus healing, Jesus feeding, and calling a low-down, dirty rascal like Matthew to follow him? What is the repeated word? Compassion. That's right. You got it. You are on it. You're sharp today. Compassion. You know, the Greek word for compassion, it's, it, it's splagna. Splagna. Yes, I know. It sounds like an Italian lunch meat, doesn't it? Everyone, can you say splagna? Splagna. Yes. Splagna literally means the twisting of the intestines. It's, it's a feeling uh, a tenseness, a, a, a cramping, a sick to your gut. And so when Jesus had compassion, when he saw the harassed, helpless, hungry, or sick, he literally felt something in his gut. When, when in his gut he would have concern, sympathy, care, tenderness, mercy. Those were the things that were, were twisting him as, as he saw these people. And I wonder, has Splagna ever been our motive? Has it ever been our motive to help or to serve someone? Or has there been some other kind of motive? Has it been more like, why don't we just send these people away? Why don't they just, can't they take care of themselves? Have you ever seen harassed and helpless people? people in need, and it grips you to the core. I don't nearly enough. On occasions. So I pray, Lord, help me to be moved by compassion that comes from you. It's true that Jesus' motive, Jesus' motive was born from a love for people. The Apostle Paul, who once opposed the faith but then turned to preaching the faith, he said to a group of young believers, he said, Jesus loved me and gave himself up for me. I hope those of you who put your faith in Jesus are able to say that and know it is true. Jesus loves you and he gave himself up for you. It's the truth. And I hope with that... That there's something within you that turns. The Apostle John, who followed Jesus all the way to the foot of the cross while others deserted, recorded that Jesus said, As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. Jesus loves me. This I know, for the Bible tells me so. It's true that Jesus loves us, without a doubt. He loves you. And he came to serve, not be served, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Love was the motive behind his mission. But I want to tell you another motive that was probably greater than his love for you and me. Don't judge me here. Don't think I'm about to be blasphemous or heretical. I really think that there was a motive greater than his love for you and me. 
a motive that enabled him to leave the glory of heaven and to take on the nature of a servant being made in human likeness. What motive would be greater than his love for you and me? His love for the Father. His love for the Father. The night before Jesus was crucified, he was praying in agony in the Garden of Gethsemane. Look, I know there are some moms. Agony at night over children crying who will not go to sleep. Agony over maybe what your children are suffering. Dads, I know you're in that mix too. I won't exclude you. Something motivated you. What motivated Jesus? Agony. He was agonizing, praying in the garden, questioning if there could be some other way. I'm not sure if he thought of us in that moment in the garden. I'm, I'm not sure he could have. He could have thought of you in the future. But I'm not sure if he did. But one thing that I am sure of is that he did think of his father in that moment. And he said, my father, if it's possible, may this cup be taken from me, but not what I want, what you want, father. As Jesus hung on the cross, I'm not sure if he thought of you and me. It's possible that he could have. He's omnipotent, omniscient. He's all-powerful, all-knowing. He's everywhere at once. It's possible that he could have thought of you and me. I'm not sure, but... I do know for sure that he thought of his father. He said, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing as they crucified him. Before Jesus was on the cross, before he physically died, Jesus told his disciples, the world must know that I love the father and that I do exactly what my father has commanded me. Jesus went to the cross. He gave his life as a ransom. For his love for the Father and his love for you. So back to our definition of motive. Why you do the things you do and who you do them for. Now me, I used to serve because I wanted greatness. Not such a great motive. It was for me and maybe somewhere along the line there was a small part that was for the Lord. Now Jesus, he served because he had compassion for people. Splagna. He had compassion for people, not just something intellectual, but something with his whole being. And, and Splagna was why, compassion. And he served for who? He served with compassion. But why? He had compassion. But for who? Jesus served to please the Father. He needed a strong motive. You know that there were people that Jesus served, that Jesus healed, and they didn't follow him. There were people that, that Jesus touched and made well, and they went on their way, and that was that. They had a choice. There was no guarantee that the results of Jesus serving and healing, the results would be devoted followers. You, you might serve. You might give to others, give of yourself, and there's no guarantee that they're going to turn around and say, thank you. There's no guarantee that they're going to turn around and say, you know, I was just wondering, why do you do the things you do, and who do you do them for? And well, it's Jesus, that's why. That conversation may never happen, but it might. There's no guarantee. And so you've got to have a stronger motive than just compassion for others 
There's got to be a love for the Father. Love for our Lord and what He wants. Because we can't depend on the results of our serving. So, Jesus had compassion on people. He loved them. And He did it for His Father. Now, what did the Father want in all this? Why has the Father initiated all this by sending a servant Savior who says to us, do what I do? Well, we have to look to Jesus again. What does Jesus say that the Father wanted? Jesus said to let our light shine before men so they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. Jesus said that he was doing it all so that the Father might be known by the world. Jesus said that he was giving his life away so that people might be where he was, with the Father in the glory of heaven. The Father has a plan to be known to the ends of the earth so that people might be brought right into right relationship with him as sons and daughters through Jesus Christ. That is the Father's big plan. The Father wants you. The Father has a plan that we call the gospel, which means good news. That the, and the good news states that God is for us, not against us. And that through Jesus' sacrificial death and resurrection, we are accepted. And we can share life after death with Him. Jesus has compassion for people. He loved His Father. And three, He wanted the good news of His Father's kingdom to be known to the ends of the earth. He wants heaven filled with people from every nation, every tribe, every language. He wants them to be with Him. This is why Jesus did what he did and who he did it for. Jesus, the one we call Lord, Savior, and Teacher, came to serve and not be served. Why? Because he had compassion for people. Splagna. He had a love for his Father and for the gospel of the kingdom. Was it only Jesus that had this amazing motive? What about his followers? You know, all of his disciples that were made apostles or sent ones, they eventually went to the ends of the earth to make the gospel of the kingdom known, to make Jesus known. They went to such great lengths that all of them were murdered for their faith, all except for John. They tried killing him, but he kept being miraculously saved. Those who came after the twelve had the same compelling went to the same great links. Listen to the links Paul went to to serve so the gospel could spread. Though I'm free and belong to no man, I make myself a slave to everyone, to win as many as possible. To the Jews, I became like a Jew to win the Jews. To those not having the law, I became like one not having law. Though I'm not free from God's law, but I'm under Christ's law. So as to win as many of those not having the law. To the weak, I became weak to win the weak. I have become all things to all men so that by all possible means I might save some. I do this all for the sake of the gospel that I may share in its blessings. Paul went to great lengths. He said he was compelled by Christ's love. 2 Corinthians 5, 14 and 15. Talked about that last week. He did it for the big picture, for the gospel of the kingdom. Look, I, I know all this It sounds really big. It sounds very altruistic. But what about us? What motivates us? 
what can motivate us to serve. I think we need something bigger than ourselves. I think we are made to live beyond ourselves and our own wants. That life isn't all about us. Though I know in my own life it's difficult to sort out every motive of my heart. I do believe that I and we can be compelled by something greater that wasn't there in us naturally that we can ask for something supernatural to be in us, to be that motive. Nate, you can come on up here as we lead into worship. I, I, I like you to think about these things. Is there a motive besides love for me? Is there a motive? Yeah, there's needs in the church. There's needs in our city. And I really believe Christ's people are the ones to meet those needs because we have a compelling emotive that can outlast others, a compelling emotive that is given by God. And so that serving or doing something menial or something so simple is not just an ordinary thing but an extraordinary thing because Christ is in it. And I believe that we are called to be his hands and feet. And I want to call this congregation to be his hands and feet. That we begin giving ourselves to serving as Christ did. That we do as our teacher, our Lord did. That we do it here among the body and we get good at it. So then we can take it to our city. We've got a plan how to do that. We have our teams. It starts there. One Sunday a month, it's very simple. One Sunday a month, we live beyond ourselves. One Sunday a month, we don't live for our own wants. One Sunday a month, we think about others and place them above ourselves. Honor one another. Look, if God is calling his people to serve, if serving is the way God gets things done for his kingdom, if serving is a principle of this natural world, even for those who don't believe, then we better examine our motive Because the right motive is what will keep us from giving up, from being depleted and becoming burned out. What is our motive? Is it only concern for our own needs? Is it all about us? Is it all for our own kingdom? Or are we filled with the spirit of our Savior and the old ways, the old motives put to the cross and we have a new compelling, a new engine within us? Is there a willingness to go the distance so that the Lord may be known in our circles of influence and even beyond our own spheres of influence? Is there a yearning to see more people receive eternal life? Lord God, change us. Change why we do what we do. Change who we do it for. Give us compassion May we be compelled by a love for you that is above all else. May you twist our guts until we see the world around us, the world that has no knowledge of you and is dying without you and will suffer an eternity without you. Lord, may compassion move us to people who are trying to do life and life is beating them up because they can't figure out the principles of this life that you have laid out in your word. Lord, may we have compassion to share those principles 
and to say that they come from you because you are the author of life and you know how we can live life. May you twist our guts until we are moved to the way of Jesus, moved to serve and not be served. Lord, may we be crucified you. May we know the day that we were crucified with Christ. And Lord Jesus, may the service of the church not ride on the backs of women and mothers who understand this principle of serving. Lord, may you rise up men who know how to sacrifice and serve and give in honor. God, change us. Lord, you know this is something that can't be done by human words or human hands. God, may your spirit change this congregation. We need you. This church's survival depends on you doing something now to change this group of people or else we will not go on as a church. Lord God, make us your people. Change us in Jesus' name. Would you please stand and let's worship the God who deserves everything we got.